Go ahead and turn your Bibles. That is Exodus 20. Exodus 20. If you'll do me a favor, go ahead and put, there's only um, one or two spaces that we're going to be in the Bible later on, um, but I want you to be there. So if you could put a tassel in Matthew 5, that'd be awesome. I'm going to want you to see that words for your own. I'm going to read a lot of text from a lot of different places, and I'll tell you not to turn there, but, but I want you to turn there. So have a tassel in Matthew 5, and then go ahead and turn your Bibles to Exodus 10. And so we are going into a study for about probably two months in the Ten Commandments. So this morning, I'm going to read all of the Ten Commandments right here, but really the priority is just for you to have a foundation with what the Ten Commandments are. What are the Ten Commandments and what am I supposed to do with them, right? And so if you are a note taker, here is just a thought that God just really put on my heart this week as I studied that I, that I want on your mind and heart as well. And that is when it comes to the commandments of God, do I hate them or hear them? Which one? You got two doors to open. There's not a door C, Okay. When we hear the commandments of God, there's no gray area. It is either I hear them or I hate them. Which one do you choose to open? So look at Exodus 20, and let's read all of the Ten Commandments. And for my kiddos here in this room, um, I know this book can be big at times for your age, but the Ten Commandments are easy to see, easy to hear, and easy to understand. So I want your Bibles open, and I want you to see as we read this with your parents, okay? Look at verses 1 through 17. And God spoke all of these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any carved images, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me but showing mercy to thousands, showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle or the stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the Lord made the earth. He made the sea and all that is in them. And then he rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he hallowed it. 
Honor your father and your mother, that the days may be long and many, and in the land in which the Lord the God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's home, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is in your neighbor's possession. Let's bow our head and pray for our time. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your church. We thank you for your son. Lord, as we embark on a few weeks in your Ten Commandments, we we read them all in the matter of 45 seconds, but what a wait. What a blessing, what an encouragement, but what a crushing your commandments bring to the sinful, broken man. So, Lord, these words are hard. During the next two months, we will face conviction. We will face repentance. We will face a call to obedience. We will face questions. We will have moments where we look in the mirror. And I pray for the church as a whole, ears to listen and wisdom to show humility. We all fall short. We are all unworthy. We are all in the need of grace. And I pray that we don't hate your commandments, but we hear them. We are moved by them. We are charged with them. We love them. In your precious and in your holy name, the church says in harmony, amen. So do you hear God's command or do you hate them? So as we start on this, I want just kind of an educational aspect to what the Ten Commandments are and what they're not. And so for, as I said to your kids or your grandkids that are here today, um, the Bible is large when we look at it with all the story and all of its context and all of its perspective. And some things are easy to grab and some are hard to grab. But when it comes to the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments are famously known by the lost and saved. I was reading a quote from a politician just recently in my study, and he says, I am not a believer of God, nor do I follow his son, but I am a big fan of most of his commandments. So the lost man and the saved man alike would probably be able to recite most of them to you. I probably don't need to kill folks, steal folks, or sleep with other people's wives or husbands. That is something that even the lost world tries to stand by For the most part, the Ten Commandments are historically famous. World-renowned books and sermons and Oscar-winning movies have been made. From VBS to revivals from the beginning of time, God's Ten Commandments have been at the forefront of God's church. Concerning the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments stand out. When we look at creation and we look at Adam and Eve, the enemy, we look at Moses and Abraham in the flood, Isaiah, we see the Ten Commandments. If you were to ask any just average church-going believer, tell me a few things. If we are playing the Christian version of The Price is Right, or not The Price is Right, Family Feud, we said, name me what you stands out in your mind concerning the Old Testament The Ten Commandments is on that list for sure. It is the law of God. 
But before we dive in for two months of you shall not, you shall not, you shall not, you shall, I want us to have a good foundation for this monumental moment. So what are the Ten Commandments today, and what are they not? So the first thing and the most important thing that I think believers should understand in 2022 here at Eastview is that the Ten Commandments are fall under the umbrella of the Old Testament covenant. That is not a covenant that impacts you and I today. So you and I are not made right by what we see in the perspective and context of the Old Testament covenant made with Moses that Moses brought down. In John 1, it says, The law was given through Moses, but you today fall under the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. So you and I do not fall under the ceremonial commandments that we read in Exodus. We fall under an even better one, and that is the promises that come through Jesus Christ. So the ceremonial, I want you to think about this. I need you to grab it. The ceremonial, even the civil law that we read in God's Word in the Old Testament, that is no longer in effect. There is no reason for man today to go through the traditional ceremonial laws of finding that, that blameless sheep and slaughtering it and rubbing the, do- the blood or above the door stands. We have been given the perfect lamb through Christ. We fall under a new promise and a new covenant that is better. That is something that is different from the Old Testament and the new. We talked about this on Easter. Do you remember that message? The people would find the lamb and they would slaughter the blood and they would pour out the blood around the doorstep and God would come over and they would pass over those who put their belief in him. But the Passover gave birth to the Lord's Supper and that is what we fall under to today. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, you are not under the law, but you are now under grace. So this is the one thing that I want you to hear as we talk about legalism. But a few years ago, I was preaching on legalism, and someone came and said, and they said, Hunter, i got a question for you. And I had talked about a lot of things, a lot of heavy things. And I thought, man, what is this individual going to come to me with? He says, hey, can you tell me what the word legalism means? I have no idea. So I, I understood nothing you talked about today. And something for our teachers to remember, not everybody understands your words. And so if you go, Hunter, what does legalism mean? Legalism is simply a confined faith towards God's law, not his promises. And so what we see in most of us, even to today's time, you go, man, I am an upright, faithful believer in Jesus. Why? Well, I give 10% and I go to Sunday school and I never miss a service and I serve at VBS. I laid some mulch and you start listing all the things that you have done and that does not make you right with God. What makes us right with God is our faith in his son. That is the covenant that you and I fall under today. So there's a difference in what Moses is saying to the people and what Jesus said to the people. So the ceremonial The civil law has expired, but God's moral law through the Ten Commandments is very much still alive. So I want you to see the difference between the civil, the ceremonial, and the moral laws of God. So I told you to put your tassel. Go to Matthew 5. Go to Matthew 5 for me. I want you to see it. It's important. I was just even asking my wife this morning. I said, hey, 
Do you know the difference between what we read in the Old Testament and the New and the Ten Commandments and how it applies and the laws in Exodus 21 and 22 and 23 and how it applies today? And she says, Hunter, not, not really. I don't know if that's really ever been taught before. So if she doesn't know it and I didn't fully understand it, there might be a lot of people in this room that don't either. But I want you to see. Look at Matthew 5. Look at verses 17. This is out of the mouth of Jesus. It says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill them. That's what Brent said in his prayer. For as surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one child will not by no means pass from the law until it is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of these, least of these commandments, and teaches men to do so, shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So understand that the sermon that God gives in Exodus 20 is the exact same sermon that Jesus gives in Matthew 22. That nothing has changed. The Ten Commandments that we see in our life during the disciple in Jesus and the Old Testament is still God's desire for our life. That has not changed. That is still alive. That is still active. These are not suggestions. This is what God desires for you and I in 2022. The sermon that God comes down, remember the moment? The mountain is on flame, smoke's coming down. The people are tired. They are listening. They are scared. God says, do not touch. The sermon that God gives in Exodus is the same sermon that Jesus gives, even in Matthew 22, the text that Brent read. The men come up to Jesus, and what do they say? They're trying to trip him up, but they also are probably curious, and I would want to be too. They say, out of all the things that I need to do as a believer, what's the most important? And what does Jesus say? Well, there's two that I want to tell you. Just two for you to memorize. Love God with all of your mind, all of your heart, with all of your soul. And what else? Love your neighbor. And you go, Hunter, that is a different message. That's not the Ten Commandments, but it is. If you look at the Ten Commandments in which I just read to you, Commandment one through four, all sinners around man loving God. And what is five through ten? All about man loving his neighbor. The message that God gives in the Old Testament always is the message that Jesus gives in the New. Love the Lord with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. These are not suggestions. Nothing has changed. These are commands from a creator to his creation. Now, this is what I want you to hear. Let's slow it down. Now, the union, the marriage between the Old Testament and the New is that God drives us. God charges us. God paves the way towards perfection. And Jesus makes it possible. You hear me? God goes, this is how man should live. This is what perfection, hang. This is what perfection looks like. We fast forward to Jesus. Jesus is the only way that it is possible. So I want you to hear me. 
always strive for perfection. Always. Even though it is impossible, strive for it. You know one thing that's kind of a pet peeve for mine? Like it is a pet peeve for mine when people that fall under the, the grace of Christ say things such as like, well, you know what, I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, I'm just trying my best, God's good with who I am. I don't like that language. I don't like it at all. For a believer, like I want to see the Ten Commandments and what the Bible teaches, and I want to strive for perfection. Every single time, I want to strive for, for, for perfection in ministry, in marriage, in parenting, in giving, in serving, in my relationships. Strive for perfection. Do you know why? Perfection will lead you to failure, and failure will lead you to grace, only found through His, through his Son, Jesus Christ. I want you to hear that. God charges us. He leads us. He drives us to being obedient to the nth degree with his word. And as you run towards that in every aspect of your life, you will always fail because you're not perfect and you can't uphold the law. And so what is failure going to do? It's going to send you to your knees in need of grace, which will lead you to his son every single time which can only be found in Jesus. So we talked about it last week. We talked about it last week. I am desperately in need of Christ only when I am following my desire to please the Lord. So the closer I get to God, the more I need his son. Just write that down. Write it down. Stop the moment. The closer I get to God, the more desperately I need his son. It's very simple. And you say, man, like, how do I get to that space where I just, man, I just want and I love and I need Jesus? You know the answer? Man, run after the Lord. And as you run after the Lord with everything you have in every aspect of your life, you'll realize you can't hold it up. And it will drive you to grace. Obedience always does. And so for my life, for the men and the women that I actually know, not just some podcast or blog or a sermon that I see, like, like men and women that I know, those who love and desperately need Jesus, who just oozes out of them, are always the men and women who want to follow his commandments most closely. I think it's impossible not to that be the case. I've never met a man or woman who just so desperately wants and needs and loves Jesus, but doesn't really care about his commandments. I haven't met that man. Because that individual doesn't understand grace because he hasn't failed in trying to be obedient. The closer I get to God, the more I need his son. So the law gives us direction. The law points us to Christ. The Ten Commandments, if, I hope you come back. I hope you hear every Sunday as we teach through this awesome text. The Ten Commandments are meant to encourage, but they're also meant to crush you. I want you to think about that. The Ten Commandments are supposed to encourage your mind and your family and your behavior and your relationships and your heart, but it's also meant to crush you. Why? Because it's impossible. It's impossible to hold it up. And as we read this, like, I pray you're convicted at the end of this journey through the Ten Commandments. If I look at one of you guys and go, hey, what has God put on your heart? And you go, nothing really. Like, I don't know if you were hearing me. 
Like I was reading them this week and I was like, oh man, like I fail here and I fail here and I fail here and I fail here. But in that failure is only my desire to be obedient. So the Ten Commandments are meant to charge us, to spur us on, but also to crush us. The law points us to direction, Christ, and also reveals God's love for us. The Ten Commandments show us God's character. And so if you have been here at Eastview, and we all have different preferences and thoughts and vocabulary and language, but the way that like Hunter Jones like learns and understands and sees the fullness of God's word is really when I see the fullness of his story. Does that make sense? And so that's how I teach. And so for me, like my heart, my affections are stirred. Like when I'm reading God's word and I just like see the moment. Like I see what's happening and I see the characters and I see the story. And so when I see the the full picture of the moment, man, like God's full word comes alive to me. And that's why I teach that way. And so I look at the Ten Commandments, church, and I go, man, I've read this countless times, but I've never read it six months prolonging in Exodus before. I've never done that. I have read the Ten Commandments, preached on it, prayed over it, taken tests on it countless times. But not until this year, not until this week have I ever read it like I've read it this week. We've been six months in Exodus, and I have seen these people. I see Moses. I see the Lord. I see the moment, and we get to the Ten Commandments. The mountains on flames and smokes. The people are tired and hungry and thirsty and scared and lost and homeless. And God comes, and he brings this message that I've never read it in this context before. So I want to ask you a question. Here's a good one. Why does God give these commandments at this time? Think think about it. This is halfway inconvenient. Like they are exhausted. They're homeless. Can you imagine being homeless and a word of the Lord coming to you going, hey, I'm going to direct you in life. Don't sleep with other men's wives. And you're like, who am I sleeping with? (laughs) I got other issues. Like, I'm dying of thirst. I need water. I need money. I need meat. I need food. Like, give me something in the moment. And what does God say? Don't covet another man's possessions. And I'm sure they were looking around like, nobody has anything. So let me ask you, why did God choose to give these commandments at this time? And the answer is not complex or challenging. It is simply because he knew that man needed them exactly at this time in their life. God's law always reflects God's heart. Always. Law in general, for the most part, even in the secular world does. So just think, just for example, like speed limits. Like why do people care how fast I go? I don't want to spend eight hours going to Florida. I want to spend five, and I'm hooked up on coffee. I'm not going to wreck my car. Just let me go as fast as I want to go. But why is that not possible? Because they're trying to confine me? Because they want to hold me back? They want to waste my time? They want me to spend more gas? Why? No, because they care about human life, and they don't want me to wreck my car and kill someone. 
Why do we have laws around just the preservation of what's best for our young people? About education and health care and how we treat the resources young people have. Why? Because I would like to think that at the end of it, as you keep digging, that there is a care for the human life of maybe a young person who can't make the best decisions in their life. Law always reflects heart, and God's Word is no different. The commands of the Bible are not driven out of legalism or order, but always out of God's love. The Ten Commandments, as hard as they are going to be for you to swallow and convicting as they might be, are inconvenient for the Israelites to hear. They were given because God said it is good for you. It is good for you, it is profitable you, and it is the right time to give them to you. In 2 Timothy, I love this, it says all Scripture, all of God's Word is breathed out by God in what? Profitable. It goes on to say how it's profitable, but you know the word that sticks out to me? It's just profitable. You ever heard a sermon that just like crushes you? You ever heard a sermon that just makes you just feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so convicted I'm angry. Or you ever had a a sermon or you read God's word and you said, I'm encouraged. It's profitable for you. Psalms 119, it says, God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Israelites were wandering believers and God's commands come to those who he loves and who he gives guidance to. Every one of these 10 commandments that you, are, you and I are doing well in and faithful in and we are drowning and we are not, they are for your good and profitable and light for your path. But man, this is one thing that God has shown me this week and maybe the best point that I give you. As I read this and I started to think through the text and I started to think through my life and what was going on with the Israelites What's most needed by man is rarely what's most wanted by man. You hear the? When we see the Israelites and we think of our life and we think of this message and when you hear God's word and when people address things in your life, what is most needed by man is rarely what's wanted most by man. You see this? So you think knowing the moment I think the men and the women, the Israelites, just speculating, could have even been let down by God's direction in Exodus 20. Like they had other needs. When they heard that God was going to give them direction, I'm sure their mind went to, like, man, I don't have anything, and I need someone to point me to things that make me feel better and help me get on my feet and get more. And what does God bring? God brings a completely different message about health and what actual prosperity looks like, and that is faith in Christ, not materialism on earth. But what man needs most is rarely what's wanted most. And when Jesus comes, the message does not change. I told you I want you to be in Matthew. This is the, one of the last places I have you flip. I want you to see how Jesus had the same sermon. Look at Matthew 10. I want you to see it. What man needs most is rarely what man wants most. So we need God's commandments, but oftentimes we don't want God's commandments. Look at Matthew 10. 
verse 34. This is Jesus' words. He says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemy will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Highlight in your Bibles, church. Highlight 838 and 39. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Think about if these people during the New Testament wanted this message. Think about if you want this message today. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. You think man wants that message today? You think man wanted that message back then? You think the Israelites wanted those Ten Commandments? Here's here's a reality that I need you to tackle. The message that oftentimes leads to life is the message that most people hate. Like, like, like I just want to like we could pray right now and let you off, and I just wish small groups were, were talking about this tonight. The message that oftentimes leads to life is usually the message that man hates. It's the, it's the message that, that man despises and is defensive on and tries to rationalize against. We often, we are faced with truth, God's commands and directions. I told you at the beginning of the service, we have two options. When we face truth, when we stand before God's commandments, direction in life, there's usually two doors that man walks down. One is a door of reflection and ownership and repentance. Conviction, church, and I pray that we face this in God's Word, and I pray that you experience this as a believer. Conviction is a blessing. Do you know what conviction is? Conviction is a sign that God is real. Conviction is assurance that Jesus loves you. Conviction is the promise that the Spirit lives within you. So if you feel conviction in your life, if God's Word pierces you, praise Jesus. Like, if you can sin or hear God's word and feel nothing, I don't believe you're a believer. Conviction is a blessing. Don't fight it. Don't oppose it. Don't run from it. Don't battle it. Praise God for it. Brent taught on Friday morning, did a wonderful job, my brother did, of the Bible study that Brad leads. If, If you're a man here and, man, you want to be in a Bible study every Friday morning at 6.45 to 7.30, um, Brad, men come around the community, and uh, it's just an awesome time. It's really, really great. It's been going for about three, four years. Brent taught this Friday morning, and he was talking about the difference between sorrow, conviction, and, and repentance, and he made a wonderful point. God's desire for your life is not just simply conviction and sorrow, but what it leads to is repentance, and so he was speaking about how the church has gotten so comfortable with like, man, you got me today, pastor. We'll see you in seven. But like it doesn't bring us to our knees and like seek the commands of God in obedience. Like when we read his commandments and we read his direction in our life and what God desires for our existence, man, it's not meant just for her to go, woo, that was a good one. It's meant to lead us to the altar. 
And so that is what I'm praying. This, like I said, we're really just going through one verse. I'm going to read it to you again in Exodus 20. We're not even going through the commandments today. But as we start this journey, man, I pray for your ankles to break. I pray for that. Because there is going to be a day that all knees bow and some ankles will break and some people will bow on their own. But I pray that we all find that space. But that is a good thing. Do not fight it. Do not oppose it. Do not refuse it. Be convicted and be repentful. The Ten Commandments are hard words that are profitable. God chooses to pour them into our wandering ways. Do you hate them or do you hear them? That's door one, is hating them. The second, or that's to, to hear them. The second is to fight and be defensive, refuse and to hate them. This is what led Jesus to the cross. This is what really convicted me this week in my study. Man hating God's commandments is what led to the beheading of John the Baptist and the stoning of Stephen and the death and the murder of all the disciples. You see, we have no other choice but to fight God when we don't hear him. I want you to hear that thought. We have no other choice but to hate God when we don't love God. When I think about the Jesus Christ being put on the cross, this one thought came to my mind this week and really convicted me, is that I don't believe, and I think believe even Scripture tells us this, I don't believe everybody woke up that morning and really desired to see bloodshed. I want you to hang with me as we close, okay? It's all connected. I don't believe that everybody woke up and said, man, I hope that me and my children and my wife see this man whipped and spat on and cursed at. I, I want to see blood on the streets. Now, some did. I don't believe everybody did. But here's the truth that I want you to realize. For those people that did nothing, it was more complicated to let him live than kill him. Do you see this? Because if I let Jesus live, then what does that mean? That means I have to hear him. And that means I have to believe him. And then I have to own it and I have to repent and I got to reflect. It's actually easier to nail that man on a cross and then to love his word. So many of the people said, I got no choice but to kill him. Because if I don't kill him, what does that mean in my life? And so for many of us, when we look at God's commands, it's the same way. I'm not going to love them. It's easier to hate them. Because if I don't disagree with that man speaking, if I say, well, things are changed, things are different, I don't know if I agree, I don't like the man, uh, whatever your ri ri rationale is, it's easier sometimes to pick that door than to love it because love it is more complicated. If we keep him alive, it means we have to own and reflect and repent, and sometimes that's more complicated. As we end, I want you to see the good word in Hebrews 10. It's last time I have you flip, we're about to pray. Everybody in this room, please turn to, I'm sorry, not Hebrews 10, but John. Let me look up the chapter. I just took my bookmark out, and I don't want to read the whole book with you. John 10. Look at John 10. This is the goodness of Jesus in being the great shepherd. This brought me to my knees this week. I spoke to my wife, spoke to Miss Vicki, and a lot of people just about this idea 
of the people hating Jesus because hating Jesus seemed easier than loving him and his commandments. So look at John 10. This was a good word to me as we close. Look at verses 11 on. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives life for a sheep. But a hireling, he is not a shepherd. One who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and he scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. Will you highlight 14, guys? I don't care how old you are. Get active. Look at 14. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my sheep. And so why did God choose the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20? Why did Jesus come to this earth to pour in messages that man internally hated, but he continued to do it? Why did man hang him to the cross? And Why did he choose to stay? I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Now do not lose me. This is where we close. I want you to hear me. 19. Therefore, there was a division again amongst the Jews because of them saying, Here are the two doors man has. And many of them said, He has a demon in him and he is mad. Why do you listen to him? The other door, others said, These are not the words of a man who is demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is what I want you to hear as we close. God's commands are not suggestions, and they are still alive today. God's commands are meant to drive us, to encourage us, but to also convict and to crush us. This leads to repentance, and this leads to grace, which will lead to life. Some will hear it, and some will hate it. Which one will you be? Will you hear God's word? Will it bring you to your knees? Will you repent, and will you lead to life Or will you hate it and refuse it? Which literally brought tears to my eyes this week as we pray. I was thinking about how hard God's word is and just how amazing Jesus is and how he still chose to stay. That Jesus knew that they were going to nail him to a cross. Jesus knew that the people would turn on him. Me and Brad were even talking. As they nailed him to the cross, there wasn't even any of his men that loved him was around. Everybody just looked on and still in that moment, Jesus still showed that he chose to stay and he chose to speak truth and prayed that people will hear it. So as we jump into the Ten Commandments study, church, I just pray that you come humble, with open minds, with open ears, with open hearts, wanting to grow closer to the Lord. Seek after perfection. Face frustration and failure. Lean on grace, which only comes through His Son. The closer I follow God, the more I need His Son. And write that on your mirror. 
your dashboard. The closer I follow God, the more I need his son. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word that you gave us. Lord, the moments that I have felt pretty good about my life are honestly the moments that I was not following after you. And so I was ignorant. I was foolish because I was unaware. The moments that I have conviction in my life, that I see my sin, are oftentimes the moments that I am in your word, I am on my knees, that I am running after obedience in your commandments. The most I have ever needed Jesus is when I have been running after God. Lord, the good news is that Jesus stands arms out wanting to walk. So Lord, I pray for those who are convicted, for those who are lost, for those who are drifting, for those who are burdened. Place your faith, place your trust on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray lastly for these hard words that will be preached in the next month or so. That God addresses life. That God addresses priorities. That God addresses what is best for us. Lord, there's going to be times where our heart is crushed. Let our people know that that is good news. I would rather have a crushed heart than a dead one. And so let our minds and our hearts and our ears be ready and humble ready to move, a desperate need of your son. In your precious name, amen.